All right, everyone, I want you to stand up right now. Take out your phones. Take a selfie with your neighbor. It's time to get social. Welcome to the 10th and Razor Race 28 recap episode of the UR Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Halmstone, and joining me as ever is the Canadian who was owned by the Dutch until 1945, or as the rest of the world called it, 2006, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. Afternoon. And Ben and Michelle really couldn't be asked joining us this week, so it's just a uh, couple of bros podcasting this week. Just a couple of bros talking about the amazing race. And not winning cruises. Not even a Tom Cruise. Not even a Tom Cruise. Hey, you could actually go visit him when you go to LA. The Scientologist headquarters is in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, I could totally go there. Oh, man, and try to get money from people. Yeah, there's a massive neon sign. It's not like it's uh, subtle with you being able to find it. Yeah. Actually, have we talked about that I'm going to be in LA for finale week? I don't think we have. Logan's going to be in uh, LA for finale week. <laughs> Why not sum it up there, Michael? But yes, I will be in Los Angeles between... May 12th and not May 19th. And of course, on May 13th is the Amazing Race 28 finale. And May 18th is the day of the Survivor Co-Rong finale. And I will hopefully be attending finale parties for both of those shows. And I've signed up for tickets for the Survivor reunion show and hopefully I get in. And um, May 14th will be when we record our finale podcast. Will I make it? Will I not? Or will I just come back a bit later and try to give you guys the inside scoop on what's been happening? Will you make it and will you be able to drag some special guests? Who knows? Yes. (laughs) Try to win over the famous reality TV contestants of the greater Los Angeles metropolitan area. I swear if you get someone like Jeremy and Sandy, I'll kill you. (laughs) Oh, that is suddenly my number one priority. Forget... The World Championships, uh, uh, where's Waldo? Instead, I'm going to go on the greatest quest of all, which is to find Jeremy and Sandy, which is even an even bigger challenge than though than the people responsible for look for uh, searching for Osama bin Laden over the past 15 years. I know we've previously joked about how awkward it would be getting a Gino and Jesse interview. But getting a uh, Jeremy and Sandy interview might be more awkward, because I would have nothing to say to them. Yeah, you can ask them about uh, about the final leg in Atlanta. They got some airtime then. Yeah, they did. Anyway, I just want to shut 19 out of my brain. That enti- In fact, that entire period of Amazing Race, from sort of 19 to 24, probably, it never existed. The numbering just went from 18 to uh, 25. But what about Tim and Marie? Leo and Jamal? That is true, but Marie has um, thrown shade towards us in week one, so... I forgive her. I'm not that forgiving, sorry. <laughs> I need to earn my forgiveness. I don't even know what that means. 
So, previously, six teams raced to Bali, Indonesia, where Tyler and Corey made some new friends. Uh, Rachel struggled at the first roadblock, while the second one left Kurt and Brody at the back of the pack for the first time all season. Tyler and Corey won the leg, while Kurt and Brody narrowly survived, leaving Zach and Rachel to walk the plank. I bet you Rachel got a pretty bad sunburn after that leg. Like, she has really pale skin. Talking of bad sunburn, did you see Cole? No. Oh my god. No, did not. Watch the... When you watch the episode back, look for Sherry and Cole's first confessional. Cole is red. He's a lobster. It's quite impressive. There should have been an advertisement by Red Lobster. Like, there was, like, right before, right after the whole intro segment uh, aired this week, uh, a company called Marshalls. I don't even know what that company is, but they got a big commercial talking about, oh, um, if you want more great competition, you know, Marshalls uh, supports the amazing race, so shop here. And I'm thinking, what the hell is Marshalls? Isn't it a pizza company that's uh, run with lances? Yes, Marshalls and lances. Yes, it is. It is indeed a pizza company. Upon further research, but seriously, like usually, it's recognizable sponsors for the Amazing Race, like Jeep or Ford or Travelocity or uh, you know um, Chevrolet, Dairy Queen or Julius Fitbit. But Petro Canada. Well, Don't forget Petro yes. Canada. Don't never forget Petro Canada. That's the only reason why Dane and Amanda are uh, recognized in the world. Thank you, Newfoundland. <sighs> yeah, and Labrador. Don't forget Labrador. But what the hell is Marshalls? Can anyone can anyone solve this mystery? Like I know we were talking about how Jeremy and Sandy are international persons of mystery, but I think Marshalls is the international company of mystery. And. Once teams leave the pit stop on the boat, they have to take their own boat to Nusa Labongum and dive to one of the three clue boxes on the seafloor to find their next clue. And we have Tyler and Corey leaving at 7.45am, with Bernie and Ashley at 7.52, Sherry and Cole at 7.53, Dana and Matt at 7.54, and Kurt and Brody at 7.58. This is actually kind of amusing with this season because at the end of last leg, the edit made it seem like some of the teams were, you know, spread out more than they usually were. But the Amazing Race 28's version of being spread out is approximately 13, 13 minutes. A grand total of 13 minutes is a big deal because of how linear most of the legs have been so far this season. I suspect there might have been some time credits involved. Because they would have shown Bernie and Ashley, Sherry and Colin, Dana and Matt in the same frame last week. Yeah, that would have been only six minutes. Well, they were two minutes apart, those three teams. Yeah. So there's got to be, have been some time credits. Something with the boat, mal- malfunction with the boat, or the cameras out in the water. Does that have something to do with Phil Kogan calling out their placement when they were still out in the water rather than when they tried to check into the wobbly pit stop? Well, Tyler and Corey said last week that um, production weren't sure how to get them on the boat, which is why Phil called out their placement to them. So there's like this invisible check-in line that they... De- when Phil would call out what place they're in, because there wasn't anything out in the water to be to be like, oh, we didn't see a buoy or something that they had to pass through to be officially checked in for the round. Yeah, apparently um, production weren't sure how to get teams on, on the boat, so Tyler and Corey had to sort of circle around to get onto the boat, and that's when Phil called out to them. wonder how it would, would have been like for somebody, a team like Simeon Opie, to have to deal with that. Like, that would have just been a miserable time for them. I was thinking Micah and Kanan, but, you know, Simeon definitely works as well. <laughs> yes, because Micah already hates the water. How would how would she be able to quit, though? Because the only way she would be able to get out of the boat is to get in the water, so she's essentially screwed. <laughs> and Dana and Matt let Kurt and Brody 
past them because they didn't realize that the canister was the clue. Oh, have we talked about the the overnight on the boat? I was waiting for a Lonely Island reference there. Just because they kept talking about being on a boat that I was expecting some reference to Andy Samberg or uh, Kevin Garnett, anything is possible type reference or T-Pain. It could have, they could have even gone with the T-Pain reference there. But nothing. No Lonely Island reference whatsoever. What up with that? I'm very disappointed for them for you. And Brody snoring apparently did not interrupt anybody's restful sleep. Now, haven't they already mentioned Brody snoring? Maybe that's how Brody and Blair got the nickname Blody because Brody would just blow so much air when snoring uh, during the overnight rest periods. Speaking of which, I think this season might have the record for clumping teams together in the same room to sleep overnight. Yeah, because we had it in Geneva as well. Yes, with the chocolate, the chocolate cavern store thingy. Uh, and wasn't there like one other s- spot this season where they're all resting together? Was in Colombia or something? Didn't they have an overnight? Did Mexico have them? Mexico, they camped out, didn't they? Yes, and one of the Caucasus lakes, and they stay. They stayed at a church, didn't they? Or was that our made-up podcast? That was our made-up podcast. Yeah, that was oh. the monastery. I can never if, tell. If, if you remember, that was the monastery where uh, Kurt and Brody got the penalty for shouting at the Trappist monks. I can never tell the difference between what's real and what's fake because of how much we BS on this podcast. Neither can most people with our fake podcast. That's the hilarious thing. <laughs> so once teams get the underwater clue, they have to head to the Puripusa stairway and find the monkey dancing to receive their next clue. In the canister or... Cole's theory was that the pipe was holding the clue box down, wasn't it? Like it was a, like a gigantic nail or something like that? Yeah, but they would have, you know, hidden that if it was holding them down. Yes. What would have been funny is if the um, canisters had weights in them that was actually holding the clue box down. So when the all the clues had gone, it floated to the surface. It would have been Keisha and Jen's worst nightmare. Uh, talking of Keisha and Jen, are you actually ever going to finish the Star Story in for uh, season 18? Yes, yes, I worked on it a little bit today. I'm really, I'm trying to get into a routine. I'm trying to get two episodes done before I get to LA, which I know is ambitious, but I'm really, really trying to work towards that. I really, I think I've come up with a way now to where I can work that into my daily schedule. Weren't you supposed to be tweeting your progress every day? Yes, but I'll start doing that today. I just need a routine, and then once I get locked into that routine, this Tarstorian thing will actually move along. Because you know I want, I want you to talk about Australia 1. Yes, everyone wants me to do that. I really want to get Australia 1, just be it, have it be the summer project. I want to keep up with being five years behind uh, in the timeline, which I think is a really good pace to have. Yeah, that's the motivation here. Um, and maybe my highlight of the leg was the appreciation noises Brody was making when the woman was tying the sarong. I didn't even catch that. Oh, he was moaning. <laughs> it, was mo- it was really good. <laughs> it made me chuckle. The moaning was so wrong, it was so right, or whatever the pun is that Tyler and Corey came up with this way. It was indeed co-wrong. So wrong, co-wrong. We really, CBS needs a new, uh, needs puns that all don't rhyme. I'm interested to see what the subtitle of, um the next two Survivor seasons is going to be, because they can't do Survivor Fiji again, unless they do Survivor Fiji 2. Or just be like the Amazing Race, and you just call it Survivor Fiji, even though there's already been a Survivor Fiji that took place seven years earlier. 
Survivor Fiji in inverted commas. Yes. <laughs> yes, they'll be the first one was Survivor Real Fiji, and then this one will be Survivor Fake Fiji. And Cole thought that the monkey was going to be a real monkey. Yeah, because uh, uh, I think he just really wanted to see a monkey as much as Joey and Kelsey wanted to see a purple duck. In his defense, season 25 did have a clue that involved a monkey getting it for you. So it's not out of the question. No. Like, we've seen real monkeys on The Amazing Race before. Like, we had the shocked, the disturbed monkey from the Varanasi leg in Unfinished Business. Um, a monkey won season four of The Amazing Race, uh, Donkey Kong, if I recall correctly. There was the monkeys from The Amazing Race 9 with the food challenge. A very amusing task involving monkeys. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what else? Did Dustin Candace have to do anything with monkeys in Amazing Race 10? No, they did. It was it was during the Malaysia leg when they had to go up the those that huge gigantic flight of stairs in Kuala Lumpur or wherever that was. Yeah, there was lots of monkeys there during the real All Stars. But yeah, so yeah, it's not. Other, I mean, they could have just used. I wonder if they reused the same monkey costumes from the Cambodia leg of Amazing Race 15. And then one of the monkeys uh, doesn't uh, doesn't have a passport on them. It's cost cutting. Yes. What else was I going to say? There's something else that was amusing with sharing Cole and the monkeys too. Oh yes, he referred to the. It's, he said it wasn't a real monkey. It's a person monkey. Good classic case of people monkeys. Oh, we've got a terrible case of the people monkeys. <laughs> so once teams chase down the monkey. They find out it's a desaw, which is harvest or haul. And in harvest, teams must canoe along a marked path, then harvest enough seaweed to cover a tarp to receive the next clue. And in haul, teams must transport 50 coconuts and four live chickens across a narrow bridge, avoiding traffic, to receive the next clue. Caution, you turn ahead. Did you notice what Phil said during the explanation of harvest? I did not know. Oh, he says, oh, when the farmer's, uh, what was it? When he said the, when the farmer, when the farmer feels that they're, uh, you know, their seaweed has been laid out correctly, he will give them a little face cream and their next clue. I'm so glad there wasn't a female-female team doing this task. <laughs> face cream, Phil? Come on. How did he say that with a straight face? When the farmer is, is satisfied with their harvesting, he will give them a little face cream. <laughs> what are you doing with that curtain, Brody? You don't know what's in that. Just a couple of bros embracing Indonesian culture. No, no, Curtin Brody. That's Balinese face cream. Do you not know what you're doing? Just a couple of bros getting a pill necklace. <laughs> we have alienated every single child listener there. Kids, don't ask your parents what we're talking about. Oh, back to the monkeys, though. Did you notice that they were playing... That the music that the that the musicians were playing at the monkey task sounded just like the temple music from the Super Nintendo classic Secret of Mana. I did not know. I have to I have to give you the track, but it sounded it sounded extremely similar to me, or or at least very close to it, to where Nintendo and the folks at Square at SquareSoft could probably sue the Amazing Race for copyright infringement. Which task would you have picked? Um, if I knew beforehand that the farmer was going to give me face cream, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have chosen that one. 
So you, you wouldn't have been a fan of the uh, farmer putting cream on your face? <laughs> no, not not his special face cream, no. But, uh, I, oh yeah, I definitely would have chosen Hall. I definitely would have chosen transporting the coconuts and chickens, even though there is documented evidence of how much I love seaweed. But it seems so difficult to have to paddle and then lay the seaweed down. And as Curtin Brody said later on, that paddling the boat backwards was faster than paddling forwards, which is pretty much word for word what Rob Zabachnik from the Sukjai tribe said in the season premiere of Survivor Thailand. I feel like I might have gone for harvest, just because I think it's something you can control, as opposed to trying to round up chickens and dealing with the traffic. Mm-hmm. The bouncy bridge. I want, like you don't even need a bouncy castle in in Bali. You just need that bouncy bridge. Great for children's birthday parties. I think you probably needed to do about eight trips on the bouncy bridge, whereas you probably only needed to do about two or three on the seaweed. Has anybody asked Kurt and Brody as to which detour option proved to be faster? I'm not sure, but they did seem to do pretty well at that um, at the harvest task. Mm-hmm. I feel like it adheres to our rule of. If you have the choice between something with animals or something that's brute force, you go for brute force every time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we have, back to the canister thing with the snorkeling task. I know we're jumping a bit, going backwards a bit, but that commercial break was ridiculous. Dane and Matt can't figure out that the canister in their in their hand is the clue. Will they ever figure it out? Two seconds after commercial break. Oh, Dana, I just opened it. The clue's inside. It's like the um, the Denise and James Earl cliffhanger from uh, France last year. Denise and James Earl have done 18 attempts at the uh, French rap song. Will they do it within a minute? We they did, did it on their 19th it. attempt. Yeah. <laughs> 19th attempt at the start of the next episode. We're rapping. And apparently Sherry snorkeling. She hasn't snorkeled since before either of us were born. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeah, for me, that would be before this, because I was born in 91. Which means the Super Nintendo wasn't even out yet. So, that's a long time. Cole wouldn't have even been born yet. Yeah, Logan was born in 1991, which in real people years is like 1978 or something. <laughs> what? It's adhering to the uh, the intro joke that I did. Oh. The Canadian who was owned by the Dutch until 1945, or as the rest of the world called it, 2006. Yes. <laughs> do you think Birch? do you think, because uh, the creator of The Amazing Race... Bertram... Yes, he is a like he was was he originally born in the Netherlands or just just with Dutch parent heritage? No, he is indeed Dutch. Okay, so I wonder, do you think his parents, either of his parents, uh, partially partially administered uh, Indonesia at one time or another? Almost certainly. That's probably where his love of travel comes from. Yes, when he was younger, his dad would take him overseas to the <laughs> to the one province in Indonesia that he oversaw. This could be yours one day, son. And then 1945 came and Indonesia was granted independence and Bertram's childhood dream of owning a piece of Indonesia and ruling over it was shattered. Which is why they, which this is true, this is why the Amazing Race didn't go to Indonesia until season 19, until Bertram was able to uh, rectify um, this, this dream of his. Yeah, Bertram was only five when uh, his dream of owning owning Indonesia was um, cruelly taken from him. He was thinking about that since he was a toddler. He was he was really set on this idea. Like, you know how some kids, you know, waver between being a fireman or a police officer 
or a president or something like Bertram's dream was being a like a mid-level governor of a province in an Asian territory. And Dana was completely on fire with this challenge, opening with I'm from New York, I only know how to hold chicken after it's cooked. Yes. Then talking to the chicken like they were babies. <laughs> yes. It doesn't matter if it's a camel or a chicken. It's like, hello, Mr. Chicken. I'm going to carry you over to the. Come on, Mr. Chicken. Yes, you are a good chicken. (laughs) And then it's funny because at the end, she's like, oh, it's only the mean chickens left. And they show some that are practically fighting. Like, there's definitely some cockfighting that's going on with these chickens. They're probably in training, or one of them is a longtime champion. And Dana picks up the one cockfighting champion and starts doing the same baby talk with it as well. Hello, Mr. Chicken, I saw you brutally massacre that other chicken. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? You are a good boy. And just imagine if she was on the last season of The Amazing Race, and they did the safari thing with the alligators, and it could have gotten really dangerous there, especially with lions earlier in the leg, too. Like, imagine if she had to go into the tank with the alligators, and it's like... Hello, Mr. Alligator, here's some food for you. Dana, Dana, what the hell are you doing? Get away from the cage! The the alligator is eating you! And I will resist the urge to say that she took her cocks in her hands. (laughs) Oh, your your mind went into the gutter, Michael. I've been waiting all day to do that joke. The funny thing is, so have I, and I was just trying to wait for an organic way for you to set me up for it. But you you didn't even wait. Like, I was talking about about Dana being brutally murdered by an alligator... And then you just jump in with a cock joke, so... We've done, like, a hundred podcasts together. I think I kind of know your sense of humour. <laughs> so, I knew full well that you'd probably go for a cock joke at some point. I uh, Like, uh, like there was the one part where Ashley is holding the two chickens against each side of her chest. So that I thought you were going to set me up that way. But I'm I'm glad you took the bullet on this one, Michael, and... In the words of a Big Brother Canada contestant, there are no blood on my hands. Well, in the words of another Big Brother Canada contestant, I'm feeling very venomous right now. (laughs) By the way, because we don't really get a chance to talk about Big Brother Canada that much this year, how do you feel about the Queen of England uh, being evicted from the Big Brother Canada house this week? I'm so sad on her birthday as well. But the reaction she got off the crowd was hilariously awesome, apparently. Yeah, standing ovation, pretty much. Like, I haven't seen that positive of a reaction to somebody being evicted from Big Brother Canada before. Apparently, in every ad break for um, the sideshow, everyone was singing a happy birthday and shouting, We love you, Nikki. Oh, really? I don't know about that. Yeah. On the Big Brother subreddit, someone went to the taping. Oh, okay. So was giving away all the behind-the-scenes information, basically. Yeah. But yeah, apparently Nikki got one of the best reactions ever, and I've not seen the sideshow yet, but apparently Peter Brown knew not to mess with her, basically, because she would rip him a new one. <laughs> Peter Brown owned. Yeah, she she would have absolutely gone venomous with him. Mm-hmm. And have you seen the interview she did with Canada AM? No, I haven't. She did impressions of about half, half of her house guests. It's quite impressive. That's hilarious. The Maddie one is pretty spectacular, actually. And Bernie meets the twins from The Shining. Yeah, they were... Uh, well, I, I really have nothing to add to that. Bernie made a pop culture reference. It was quite a good episode for Bernie, actually. There's a couple a couple of bits on the roadblock, actually. Oh, that was a funny moment from the snorkeling. 
when uh, Bernie Nashley, because who, who was it that was confused about the tubes in front of them? Was it, oh yeah, because Tyler and Corey were in, were they the ones that were initially confused by the tubes? Yeah, them and Bernie and Ashley basically left at the same time. Yeah, because then Bernie and Ashley were, when, after they were done snorkeling and grabbing the, because they got, the, they figured out the canister clue right away. They're like, oh man, we, oh yeah, it was Bernie who said it. He said, we made up a lot of time on that task. And I'm thinking, what, what's the standard for quote unquote a lot of time by Amazing Race 28 standards, especially when Bernie and Ashley didn't even overtake Tyler and Corey at that task. And Tyler and Corey only started out the round with a seven minute lead. Does that mean a lot of time by Bernie's standard is no more than four, five or six minutes? <laughs> it's like, yes, Bernie, you made up a lot of time. You made up an entire four minutes on Tyler and Corey. Wait, they made oh. a comparative amount of time. Yes. So Tyler and Corey are the first to leave Hall, with Bernie and Ashley in second, and Kurt and Brody in third. And teams must now find the Wanning Sunrise, where the U-turn awaits. Actually, you couldn't even make. Uh, there's only three possible options as to making up less time possible. There's only one, two, or three minutes. That's the only thing that's lower than making up four minutes. Meanwhile, there's an infinite number of minutes you can make up on the other end of the spectrum. That would be a lot of time. And that was this week's segment of Logan Counts. <laughs> and I know I mentioned this last week, but that U-turn board was very pretty. It was very creative. I don't know who from Survivor they've stolen, but yeah, that was a very Survivor Kagayan art piece. They deserve 10 points. Uh, so Tyler and Corey, U-turn Curtin Brody, shot Gasp Horror. I think we all expected it. And... Did you appreciate Tyler and Corey's U-turn picture like I did? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bernie and Ashley's was also pretty good, as was Kurt and Brody's, but Tyler and Corey's was quite funny. Whether I be U-turned or I'm the U-turnee, regardless, I want my picture of me, uh, me and the person I'm racing with to be us flipping off the camera. That would be perfect. <laughs> the F U-turn. Because that perfectly encompasses the feeling of whether you U-turn somebody else or whether you're the one that's U-turned. And... Bernie and Ashley block off the other side of the U-turn. Now, does this sound familiar, Logan? This is the strategy I thought would be abused by this point in the franchise, because as soon as Natalie and Nadia came up with this plan with the double U-turn back in season 21, I was under the assumption that every season after that would copy that exact same strategy. But that that hasn't really happened over the past few years. And thankfully... We have a season where they remembered that strategy from season 21, implemented it, and now producers know that a double U-turn isn't good enough anymore. You have to go up to a triple U-turn, and I find that I would find that hilarious because it shows how out of hand the twist has become that producers need to keep stepping it up and up and up and up just to uh, advance the game further. Yeah, does it sound familiar? The first two teams in a leg doing this manoeuvre to try and save the weaker team that they want in the final leg with them and get out one of their biggest threats. Does that sound familiar, Logan? Yes, it does. <laughs> oh, wait, that was the manoeuvre we tried to pull. Yes, we did that, actually. Yeah, we did. We did that in the online version of an Amazing Race game that we played over the past couple months, and it just finished up a couple weeks ago. It didn't work out for us, though. No, it didn't work out because we got insanely unlucky. We ended up in fifth place? Yeah, we ended up in fifth place, but Peter and Emily did what everyone was worried Sherry and Cole were going to do, and they um, 
they fell behind and got themselves eliminated instead. Saved the team we wanted out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this manoeuvre sort of has a little bit of um, a flashback for me. A bit of PTSD mm-hmm. for trying to scheme our way into uh, winning. But it's just amazing, though, that just within the TV part of the Amazing Ranks, that this strategy hasn't been abused more. Yeah, what should we name this tactic? Because I've seen the name U-Burn being floated no, around. No, 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 no. Bernie didn't invent this. Let's stop that right now. No, burning the oh, U-Turn. I thought it was supposed to be a reference to Bernie Nashley. U-Burn is a, not a bad name, assuming that the people who read that as the term don't associate with Bernie and Ashley. But I feel like it needs to incorporate something to do with Natalie and Nadia. Or Trey and Lexi. Hey. Yes. The U-Trey? U-Trey if you want to. U-Trey sounds like some sort of really crap online um, gaming portal, though. Yes. Or a delivery service. U-Trey. Just ring up U-Trey. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like U-Twin or u twenty, but it doesn't, it doesn't flow that well. Oh my god, Twinny! <laughs> so Sherry and Cole leave in fourth, but due to the U-Turn, they actually leave in third. Uh, Dana and Matt leave in last, but due to the U-Turn, they live in fourth. And Brody says it's much easier going backwards, and they leave Harvest in last. They got fun. They got to have fun with seaweed, though. I'm jealous of that. They did. They got some cream on their face and uh, left for the next task. And there's another flashback in the next task, because teams must now find a paddleboard shop on Mushroom Bay to receive their next clue. And it should be noted that the paddleboard shop is not located in Logan and Chris's backyard canals. Logan! I've been waiting months to do that. Logan, you need to paddleboard! <laughs> Harder! Backwards! Those were a lot of coconuts that teams got to use, though, for the detour. They were. There was 50, which is what might have um, made me think, hmm, maybe I don't want to do this task. Because 50 is a lot of coconuts. On a bouncy bridge where you're just trying to carry them with your sweaty arms and sweaty shirt. Yeah. Like, uh, in The Lion King, they had a lovely bunch of coconuts, but 250 might be a bit excessive for a lovely bunch. Some of the coconuts may not be so lovely. I wonder if teams were told they couldn't use their shirt to carry them. Oh, like they've done in some seasons with... Uh, what was that one thing in the Mason Race 4 during the Malaysia leg that they had to throw into that truck? It was palm nuts. Palm nuts, palm nuts, okay. So once teams get to the paddleboard shop, it's a roadblock which is who's feeling blue? And in this roadblock, one team member must take a four-story cliff dive into Blue Lagoon to receive their next clue. Please note that Tyler and Brody must perform this roadblock. It's kind of weird having multiple teams, as of, even as of, uh, I guess as of this week, where you have multiple teams where it's already predetermined who has to do the roadblock. Usually it's just one team who gets a bit silly. Or if you're Dave and Connor, um, you can just make Connor do all the roadblocks because production will bend the rules for you. Exactly. So it is Tyler, Ashley, Cole, Matt, and Brody doing this roadblock. And we get the return of one of my favourite subplots of the season, Cole doesn't like heights. I'm sure Nat from uh, Nat and Cat uh, feels his pain. Oh, I'm not sure I could have done that. I'm not bad with heights, but I'm really not good with falling. It, the cool cliff jumping, you always hear about being dangerous, so I, I can see it being a bit frightening. But then again... They don't let you die on American reality television, so it should be safe. Yeah, but did you see that picture of Tyler's thighs? And I cannot believe I'm saying this. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like the instructor really stretched him out beforehand, but uh, it did not help with the jumping aspect of the roadblock. The bruises on his thighs were blacker than our senses of humor. Yeah, I just actually I did see that picture. I forget who uploaded it. But yeah, that was just, that was nasty. That was brutal. Mm-hmm. Or or when Matt did the roadblock where he made that pun saying, where he said he, I fell so hard on my butt that it felt like I was hitting asphalt. Really, Matt? Now is the time you choose to make a pun? Yeah, I mean, Tyler would have had to run through the next leg with those thighs being bruised as well. I'm assuming that picture was from the, the rest period between the Bali leg and the Shenzhen leg. I have a feeling those bruises don't recover overnight. No. So he would have, in a similar way that Kelsey was running the last leg with a broken tailbone, Tyler would have had to run the next leg with like not being able to put his thighs together, probably. I personally would prefer Tyler's situation over a broken tailbone. Yeah. Someone else had a broken tailbone last season, I think, as well. I can't remember who, who said it on um, the race's recap last week. But someone else said that they had a, a broken tailbone last season as well, I think. Hmm. I wonder who that could have been. It could have been Cindy and Rick from uh, sitting on that at the bus stop for so long. No, they had a broken confessional. <laughs> they peed off production that much so they just couldn't air anything from them. Did you uh, notice with the... Uh, I know we're going back to the detour again with the chickens. But did you uh, notice that uh, the editors had to bleep out what Dana said about the other chickens? Yes. Also, chickens. Damn! Oh, Survivor China reference. Oh, yeah. When Dana takes the one chicken and says, Oh, uh, this chicken's really friendly while all the other chickens' friends are dicks. But they had to bleep out dicks, so it just cut away to uh, complete silence. Yeah. I think they might have cut a little bit of of Dana out in every episode. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if she has a bit of a potty mouth while running the race. I hope she does, because we love a swearer. Yes. Who currently holds... Well, who is the one team from Amazing Race Canada that swears constantly? But Max and Elias. Max and Elias. That's who it was. They were gonna, They knew they were going to be censored a ton. Oh, there's a shock. Logan talking about Max and Elias. Well, Elias is... He gets to live the dream. He he looks a bit like me. Uh, he gets... He's a UFC fighter. A, a good UFC fighter. He gets to be... He gets to do my dream of being on the Amazing Race Canada... Then he gets to cross over and make a cameo on Big Brother Canada. Although his airtime on Big Brother Canada was probably more than his airtime on one round of The Amazing Race Canada. And we didn't talk about Sherry's chicken aura. Is she vegetarian? Because, well, if so, then welcome to the club, Sherry. All the worst people are vegetarian. Oh, are you talking about Hitler? I I wasn't going to compare you to Hitler this time, Logan, but you know. I... The Amazing Race 28 recap podcast, Logan Saunders gets compared to Adolf Hitler. You know full well that uh, one of the hints this week is just going to be Logan equals Hitler. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure being compared to the leader of the Nazi party is something I was aspiring to. Like, Bert Bertram's dream was to oversee Indonesian territory, while apparently my dream was to be the leader of the neo-Nazi party. Yeah, you know how I was worried that um, my Amazing Race Canada blog would harm your chances of ever getting on the show? I think associating you with Adolf Hitler probably won't help your chances on getting on Amazing Race Canada either. Well, I mean, we already had the Volta Mussolini's last season, so, you know, if I'm supposed to be compared to Hitler, 
then maybe for Amazing Race Canada 6, they can uh, cast somebody who's this... What's the Japanese leader's name? Hirohito? Toto? Amazing Race Canada 6, Hitler versus Mussolini. No, that's Amazing Race Canada 7, All-Stars. Come on now. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, Amazing Race Canada 7, All-Stars, Sudbury Edition. Oh. 12 legs, one town. So yeah, just the whole season takes place in Sudbury. Giant Nickel, Giant Dime, Giant Looney, Giant Toonie. Giant Spoonie. Giant Spoonie, yes, Giant Spoonie. There will be a giant picture of Nally Spooner, and Megan will be right behind it. Um, yeah. And... Tyler jumps in first, and then Bernie says, well, I guess they gave the uh, the ugly surf instructor the day off. Yeah. Imagine if, like, the other surfing instructor was like, oh, cool, or, you know, uh, my, my co-worker is going to be on the uh, Amazing Race tonight. Then he watches the episode, and Bernie just completely trolls him, and the ugly... The ugly uh, safety instructor is watching from the couch and begins to weep because of Bernie's insensitive remarks. It's a real shame that the Australians aren't on this podcast because I happen to know that the guy who was stretching everyone and getting loads of pervy remarks made about him is from an Australian show called Bondi Rescue, I believe. Oh, yeah. And this was revealed last week. Apparently he is actually semi-famous in Australia and is friends with one of the, um, the challenge guys, which is why he got roped into it. Oh, okay. And he just stretches the teams out. And he also, at least uh, Brody, got the face cream before he was stretched out by the safety instructor, as opposed to after. Please can we stop making jokes about the face cream? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get me in so much trouble. Stop it. (laughs) All right, all right. uh, Okay, I've I've got it all out of my system. (laughs) So did the Indonesian guy. <laughs> you set him up, I knock him down. Oh, I didn't even intend to set you up with that one. The um the guy who's stretching them is the star of Bondi Rescue and is a Sydney lifeguard and uh, a Pilates coach. <laughs> that's 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 great. And he is friends with a high risk scenario expert who cons- consulted on the series. Okay. And Ashley jumps in second. But then the most telling thing of the entire episode for me was Bernie in the boat as Ashley was coming back, thanking everyone for keeping her safe. Mm-hmm. That just shows what a nice person Bernie is to me. That's the sort of thing they don't need to keep in, but they do it to just show how nice he is. Thank you for stretching her out for me. You have to bring the tone down, Logan. Yeah. Uh, so Cole jumps in third and gets a colonic irrigation for his troubles. Matt jumps fourth, and then Brody has done a lot of cliff jumping before and jumps in last. And I was genuinely worried for Brody with his knee because his knee looked really, really strapped up this week. Oh, yeah, because his knee troubles have gone all the way back to the first round. Yeah, it looked like he had a, a like proper surgical brace on this week rather than just the the knee brace he has been wearing. It looked like he had one of the ones that's like drilled into your knee. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, crap, he's going to completely and utterly just destroy his knee this week doing the cliff jump. But he didn't, apparently. Yeah, don't do a belly flop into the water, Brody. Now is not the time. You know what? Uh, with this roadblock, though, Kurt and Brody must have been pissed off that the roadblock was just a quick jump off a cliff and no way to make up time at all. Like, there was no... Although Brody hasn't done too well with the uh, skill-based roadblocks the past couple of weeks. 
but I'm sure he just really wanted a skill-based one this time around just to take the gamble because it would have been the only opportunity to make up any time. I saw a lot of complaints that this leg was quite linear to have a U-turn on and it wasn't fair to Kurt and Brody, but I have more complaints when the U-turn appears right before the pit stop than I do when um, it appears at the start of the episode. I can forgive a linear leg if they actually technically give them a chance to catch up. But I think they probably came up with this task thinking, oh, someone's going to have a bit of trouble with it. But even Cole just jumps without hesitation. And we should add that this U-turn comes after two rounds, pretty much a round and a half of racing without any sort of equalizer. Like, this is ultimately carrying over from their performance during the last round. Like, they haven't been bunched up together whatsoever. Yeah. And another thing about the U-turn, apparently, according to the man himself, I was talking to Corey about this earlier, apparently they wanted to U-turn Bernie and Ashley, but thought if they did, that Bernie and Ashley wouldn't go out, and also Bernie and Ashley would have U-turned Sherry and Cole then, and they didn't want Sherry and Cole to go home. Would Bernie and Ashley have U-turned Sherry and Cole? Apparently so. That's what Corey says. That doesn't surprise me, considering, like, I I know Bernie and Ashley have nothing against Sherry and Cole, and that they absolutely like them. What... As as we've taken some of their quotes out of context over the past ten weeks, Bernie has this tendency to uh, subtly troll Sherry and Cole's performance all season long, and I'm sure that when they're this close to the end, that Bernie and Ashley do not want to be defeated by Sherry and Cole themselves. When Bernie's like, oh, even Sherry and Cole made this flight, or how did Sherry and Cole get here so fast? Just little remarks like that that add up after a season of racing. Especially when you consider that Worst case scenario, Sherry and Cole will equal the the worst fourth place record of all time, which is six dead, and from Israel four. However, that record was set after twelve legs and not after uh, eleven. Okay, so what well, Sherry and Cole would have to finish second or better next leg. Third or better is all they need to not be the technically the worst uh, in the final four ever. Oh, was that the season with 14 teams so that Israel 14 probably got like 13th or 12th place in one of the legs? Uh, n- well, because it was split into two half legs, the first uh, leg is actually out of seven for everyone. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's six dead is the current worst fourth place average. The worst third place average is 5.23. So they still have a chance to beat that. Oh yeah, they would. They're pretty much guaranteed to beat that, aren't they? Because they have how many? They have sixty-two points altogether right now, which makes a six-point-two average. So, so yeah, if they survive next week, they, then they can't have the worst. Uh, they can't have the worst fourth-place average. But they are guaranteed, even if they win the next two legs, they are guaranteed to have the worst final three average of all time of any like international season, even Amazing Race Ukraine of all time. Okay. Because the worst average is currently from Latino America 2. And then it's Andrew and Dan. Um, so, teams must now make their way to the Baja Sandy, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last teams to check in here, according to Phil, may face elimination. Why is Phil changing these things up? Hey, 28 seasons. He's the man. He gets to do whatever the hell he wants. Just stick to your script, Phil. Because this isn't the first time this season he's tried to switch things up with his pit stop speeches. And, shocking nobody, Tyler and Corey win the leg again. Well, when there's no real, when it's a super linear leg, that's bound to happen. And they actually win quite an interesting prize, because it's one I've done myself, which is an Alaska cruise. And they do it with Royal Caribbean, which is who I'm going on my holiday this year with. We didn't do it with Royal Caribbean, we did it with Whole America. But yeah, they are going to have an absolute blast. 
And they get to go through my home province. They get to go through BC. They do. And in addition to Logan um, pandering for LA invites, he's also going to pander to Tyler and Corey and try and um, meet up with them when they're in Vancouver. Yeah, so Tyler and Corey, you know, I'm in BC, you're going to be in BC, so you have no excuse. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean we, we can go out for drinks or something. Just saying. Logan will set you out for cocktails. Possibly. Palm Bay's. Tyler and Corey, if you're in BC and we are hanging out, I will treat you each to a Palm Bay. If you're lucky, Logan will treat you to a Tim Hortons. That's how Canadian he is. Yes, you get. Yes, I'll treat you to a double double. You're not pushing the boat out that much, are you? What's that? You're not going to push the boat out that much, are you? The the what that much? The boat, pushing the boat out, being really expensive. Do you not have that phrase in Canada? No, that's the first time <laughs> I've ever heard that phrase. <sighs> But you're right, I probably wouldn't dish out for a double-double. It would probably just be a Palm Bay. It'd be a double-double between them. Yes, they would have to. They would each get one of the doubles. They can have a single-single. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Bernie Ashley yet again equal Kelsey and Joey's uh, second-place record by coming second. Dana and Matt come third, Sherry and Cole come fourth, and Kurt and Brody have the Matt cleared for them. Because they came in last and are eliminated. I like how all four teams were hanging out together at the pit stop. and like, man, yeah, we really hope that Kurt and Brody don't show up here right away. Yeah, it's going to be really awkward. And then Dane and Matt are thanking the other teams for not U-turning them. Even though Dane and Matt would have just... Even though, I guess, uh, Sherry and Cole would have been last, I guess. Well, if Dane and Matt were U-turned, then they would have... I guess Dane and Matt would have been gone in that scenario. I'm not sure. It depends how long it took them. That's true. But it seemed like they were fairly close to. They were really close together, though. And then uh, Sherry and Cole, you know, barely survive once again with their glistening 6.2 average, as we discussed earlier. And then all four teams are there, thinking, "Wow, it's I can't, I can't believe that Tyler said it's anyone's finale, considering that Sherry and Cole have only beaten Tyler and Corey once, and Dane and Matt once, and as we found out at the start of this leg." Sherry and Cole only beat Dane and Matt by one minute. It was just one minute. So they've only had a one-minute defeat of Dane and Matt all season long through through ten pit stops. Every other time, Dane and Matt have beaten them, beaten Sherry and Cole by much bigger margins each time. And uh, and then Tyler and Corey, they've only beaten by a few minutes as well, I think, back in the Georgia leg, was it? So And then Tyler and Corey have had some legs where they destroyed Sherry and Cole by a couple of hours. Sherry and Cole have never beaten Burning Ashley once this entire season. So Sherry and Cole are pretty much the biggest underdogs possible heading into a penultimate leg. And this was leading into saying that with all four teams hanging out there and being super friendly and trying to give each other credit, they all just vanish like a Zach and Rachel ma- uh, magician disappearing act as Kurt and Brody show up to the pit stop. And Pierre and the Michelles. Yeah, Pierre and Michelle's was yeah, they were long gone. <laughs> no one even noticed they were there. So next time, teams head to Shenzhen in China, which is actually very close to um, Hong Kong. And there's paintings, swag boards, and the ultimate question, who will survive to race in the finale? And I said this to Ben in a chat earlier, I've got a feeling we might get a Final Four twist again. I didn't think it up until this leg, but that preview strongly hinted at a Final Four. Actually, I was thinking about this earlier today, because I'm like... Okay, because usually I can get an idea of who's going to be eliminated uh, in the next episode. And I was just thinking, 
like, who's going to be eliminated just with all the active storylines that are going on? And my determination was, hmm, no one's really clear-cut to be eliminated next round. Uh, but now that you bring up the Final Four twist, uh, or rather its return, it makes sense that all four could be in the finale and that all the storylines end at the finish line as opposed, or, or rather in the final leg as opposed to anybody getting their story uh, finished uh, during the penultimate leg. I don't know for certain because I know there was only three teams cited in the final leg at one of the tasks. But I didn't think this until I watched the episode today. But I've got a—I've just got an inkling that it's going to be a final four twist. I don't know why. So then Shuri and Cole, if they finish last this in this next leg, it would be matching the all-time uh, worst uh, fourth place record. If it is a final four twist, then Shuri and Cole physically cannot equal the the worst fourth place average because they would then at worst get a fourth in the final leg as well, which would push them above six point zero zero. Right. Right. But they can match it after 11 rounds, I guess. Yeah, they can match it after 11 rounds. But yeah, I, I don't know for certain, but it's just a theory that I have. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Final Four twist again. Because if they're going to do it again, they'll, they do it in a season like this where they want to keep as many people in as possible. Mm-hmm. Four teams of social media stars are all in the finale. Don't miss it. Really don't miss it. Because we've Please. invested so much time in advertising with the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the Price is Right... And all these random sponsors, so you better watch the finale. Otherwise, we're cancelled. And, uh, spoiler regarding Kurt and Brody. Um, Brody and Blair? Do not go on, go out on that date? I thought they went out on a date and then decided to be friends. Oh, that's the date that ended it. Okay. Yeah. When he shouted at the waiter. Just a, just a potentially romantic couple out on a romantic date for dinner. <laughs> and there was a question from Kurt Reptil who says, Is The Amazing Race a strategic game or a competition type race? Seems like many fans have a very black or white view on this. And this is in response to everyone going, Oh my god, I can't believe Tyler and Corey U-turned. That's so cheating. We're defending Tyler and Corey? For the first time all season, we're going to defend Tyler and Corey here. Obviously. Right. As I mentioned earlier, Logan and I did try this exact tactic in the online reality game version of The Amazing Race that we played a few months ago. It didn't work out for whatever reason, and we sucked and got fifth place. We didn't suck. We, we got really unlucky. It was the, We chose this one flight that would have gotten us in all before the other teams, and we've been, we've been kicking ass all season long. And we kicked ass on that leg. That's the thing. We would have won that leg had we been on yeah, the Yeah, we would have won that leg if not for that stupid flight. And the only time that that flight has ever been delayed was the one day that we did that leg. Yeah, and the hilarious thing is, if the U-turn plot had worked, I would have probably told Peter and Emily about that flight, and then we would have kicked their ass on the leg and got to the final four, mm-hmm. and they've been on the same flight as everyone else. Damn it! So, is The Amazing Race a strategic-type game or a competition-type race? I would say it is neither. It's I still believe that the primary component on The Amazing Race, just like in Survivor, is that it's a social game. I think the social game is very underrated on The Amazing Race. Just think of any team that has ever won The Amazing Race. All of them have had to work with another team at one time or another and get along with them to uh, to advance each other further uh, down the road in the game. Of course, this season, the coalitions got way out of hand because of all of the pregame stuff and how small the community is that the... Or, how small the pool of contestants was chosen from. But The Amazing Race has always been a social game, and it's weird after 28 seasons for people to think that all of a sudden that The Amazing Race is going 
all strategic and and quote unquote survivoration stuff. But the Amazing Race has always been a social game. Alliances have existed since the very first pit stop. So I don't get how this is a huge shock that this U-turn incident happened. I mean, my hatred of Amazing Race forcing the alliances on us is quite well known. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Amazing Race is it's always about using your smarts and being strategic with how you deal with other people, whether that be taxi drivers or other teams, mm-hmm. to get yourselves ahead and to stay ahead. Yeah, you never, like, people say, oh, like, this team ran their own race or that team ran their own race. That's why I like them. No, no team has ever ran their own race. And the few, or no successful team has ever ran their own race. All other teams who attempt to run their own race usually have a terrible time getting along with the other contestants and or the locals or do not really grasp the game and end up being eliminated early or just don't really make that much of an impact on the season. Yeah, three words, guys. Jet and cord. <laughs> yeah. If you want a case study of how to lose the Amazing Race on three separate occasions, just go with the Jet and cord strategy where... Teams offer to work with you, and you somewhat follow them along here and there, and then when it actually matters, you try to go off on your own, and you are doomed. <laughs> so, is there anything else to say about this leg? Um, not a whole lot, cause, I mean, it's a bit of a bummer that it was super linear, and that, in case the listeners haven't noticed, we pretty much ignored the 20 or so confessionals of teams talking about the U-turn, because... To me, this seemed like it was such a straightforward use of the double U-turn, which is why I find it hilarious how big the reaction was. Because it's like, you know what would have triggered a big reaction from Michael and I? Is if the double U-turn wasn't used this round, just like it was during the third episode. Oh god, can you imagine if we had to podcast about a leg when everyone went, we're not going to use the U-turn, we're too friendly with everyone. Yeah, because that's what we already complained about during the third round. So it would have been, it would have been, or it would have been even more hilarious if we pre- pretended to be as upset as all the casual fans that this round uh, had teams using the U-turn after we complained about teams not using the U-turn in the third round. Yeah, but we don't do double standards around here, so uh, that's why we're sort of consistent in what we say on this podcast. And this is the point where we start slightly gearing up to Amazing Race Canada 4, because as I did mention on the groups this week, Amazing Race Canada 4 has finally started filming, so all the leaks are starting to come out with the locations they're going to, and Logan and I will be talking about that in about nine weeks. But on an Amazing Race Canada theme, I did mention in last week's podcast that I wrote a blog about where Amazing Race Canada stands after three seasons. And that is on the Reality TV Warriors website. We'll put it in the links on all the podcasts as well. I personally, and I'm very biased on this, I think it's worth reading and I think it's worth production reading to, you know, get the head out of their asses. But if you are a fan of Amazing Race Canada, read it, disagree with me, whatever. It's there for discussion. And it's been proofread by about five people. So, you know, it shouldn't be too offensive, I hope. It's not. I was slightly worried that it might scupper your chances of ever getting cast if that appear- if a, a really negative blog about Amazing Race Canada appeared on um, a website you're associated with, but... Yeah. I don't think I've said anything that didn't need it to be said. Production, but... Amazing Race Canada producers aren't assholes like that. No, I, I think it's uncomfortable truths that I've gone for rather than full-on just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because that's kind of what I'm here for. 
So, thank you for listening to this You Have Seen Marvel podcast. You can join us next week to recap the 11th episode of the season. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at RTV Warriors, or on our own Twitter pages, at MJ Harmstone for me, and at LogSivGwacky for Logan. And just before we go, I would like to mention that it is the final Yes Chef Hell's Kitchen podcast this week, with a special guest that may or may not be on this podcast. So... Make sure to tune in when Ben eventually posts that, which will be hopefully about Wednesday or Thursday. Bye. Hashtag Mr. Chicken. Uh, hashtag Indonesian Independence. Ha- hashtag Asphalt. Hashtag Face Cream. Peace. When the farmer feels their seaweed has been properly laid out to dry, he may give them a little face cream. Oh, oh thank you. Oh. oh, yes, thank you. Along with their next clue.